0: Hi, and welcome to Grief Talk, the podcast where we talk about grief. My name is Sarah, and I am your co-host for Grief Talk. I'm joined here by my lovely
1: big sister, Susanna. Hello, and we have a bonus person in the room. Uh, We have our other sister, Camille. So I'm gonna hold the mic out to Camille so she can say hello. Say hi, Mel. Hello. (laughs) How are you? How does it feel to be in a podcasting room? Great. (laughs) Is this pretty legit? Yes, this is crazy. This is also really fun for me because I feel like I'm interviewing you on like the red carpet. Absolutely. Any any other thoughts that you'd like to share with us?
0: okay (laughs) listen this is uh this is a pretty legit podcast studio so we're here on the uh, sectional sofa in my bonus room the bonus room and we had to turn off the fan because it was making some noise so I don't know about you Susanna but we're 53 seconds in and I'm already sweating yeah you know
1: (laughs) well that's just how it is
0: that's right it'd be (laughs) like that sometimes detox if you are joining us for the first time here on Grief Talk, we want to say um, that we're glad that you found our podcast, um, however you found it. If someone sent it to you or if you search for us, um, we also want to say that we're really sorry that you're here. Uh, and I just want to give you a little bit of background. So Susanna and I and Camille, we are sisters and um, we lost our brother six years ago. Our an, older brother. Our older brother in an accident. And... Um, Since then, we have individually gone to a lot of counseling, paid a lot of money, and um, it's been really laid on our heart to create a space to comfort people who are grieving and then to also equip the people who love on grieving people as well. Mm -hmm. So that's our mission. Um, And yeah, we're just here to share from our personal experience and
1: just cover some of the topics that honestly, people don't really talk about. And also topics that I personally, this is Susanna, I really wish you know, there was a podcast for, or, you know, whatever. um, When I was, you know, unfortunately embarking on my journey with grief. Um, So that's, that's why we're here. And um, with that, we are Uh, In our second episode of our mini series about early grief. So uh, the first episode, if you haven't listened to it, we would encourage you to. um, We touched on um, the physical effects of early grief. And so today we're going to talk about the mental effects of early grief. And just as a reminder, uh, when we say early grief, we're really talking about, um, you know, it, it's different for everyone. But for me, I think of it as, you know, really that first year, um, after, you know, the loss that you have experienced, um, it can be, it can feel shorter, it can feel longer, uh, for different people. It just, it really does vary. But for me, using that one year marker is kind of helpful. Um, it certainly doesn't mean that things get better or easier. Um, But it's just, you know, you've made it through that fear that year of firsts, which there's just something really, really hard about that.
0: I also want to acknowledge, this is Sarah, that, uh, and I think I've said this before, but I want to acknowledge it again. Susanna, you and I are speaking from our personal experience. Yes. The only, um, well, the the only grief that has been, that we have felt this closely has been from sudden loss. Yes. And so I want to acknowledge that some of these things in early grief, if you're listening and maybe... um, maybe the, the death of a loved one that you experienced, was uh, it was anticipated, you might have started to experience these things before that person passed away. Yes, that's a great call out. That's a that's a really great so call I out. I want to just give that caveat that we're not an experts on all type of grief. We're just speaking from our hearts, and that's the type of grief that we've experienced. And so, yeah, you as a listener, you may have experienced something really different in your story.
1: And um, that's just how grief works. It's very and personal. it is the most personal thing um also one more call out if i may love this okay so many caveats so many caveats we were like this is going to be a short episode it will be (laughs) okay um i believe in us don't make me cut you off i'm kidding i would never um and now that's just going to take me longer to get this out okay sorry (laughs) Uh, okay anyway no it's fine um the the last call out that um is also just as important as Sarah and I, we are not licensed mental health clinicians, even though Sarah is super smart and has her master's and knows a lot about psychology. Um, I don't have those things, but I have a lived experience. We are not uh, licensed mental health clinicians, if I said that correctly, Sarah. Mm -hmm, So, um, this is not technically medical advice. We are strong proponents of, um, receiving therapy, um, from a licensed therapist. Um, so just, yes. The only advice you will
0: hear us, um, say is get some help. Yes. That's that's the only uh, official advice. Be gentle (laughs) and get help Mm -hmm. that we're going to give to anyone. So, okay, well, let's go ahead and jump in here, Suze. Did you want to share a little bit about what you had um, found about mental grief?
1: Yes. So, with mental grief, I was just kind of surfing the web, as they say. I cannot believe I was about to say that. You about to say that? Yes. It's almost like we're sisters. Yes. But I was about to be like, I can't believe I'm going to say this like really chuggy thing like <laughs> surfing the web. Surfing anyway, the web. Um, yeah, and I I came across um, an article from Headspace, which I, I feel like is a very widely well known. Um, I guess it's an app where you can seek. You yeah, know, it's counseling. like a mental yeah. health app, uh, telehealth kind of situation. Anyway, and it's just all about um, an overview of grief, and it actually does talk about some, um, you know, physical effects and emotional effects, but obviously we won't get into that in this episode. Um, But it does cover, uh, you know, kind of what you could expect um, to changes with your, um, like, mental state, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, if that's the best way to put it. Changes to your thoughts. How about that? Sure. Um, So it's just two little paragraphs. I'll read it. It says, when a big change happens in your life, it's hard not to think about it all the time. We might also find that concentrating can be tough or that our mind wanders and we have trouble focusing. Some people find it hard to care as much about the things they normally care about. It can feel like nothing matters compared to the loss they've experienced. Some people think that the world doesn't make sense anymore and they can't figure out their place in it. Um, and just in those two small paragraphs, I can see myself when I was walking through early grief in so many of those things, you know? So yeah. anyway, that, that feels very validating personally. Absolutely. Um, what about you, Sarah?
0: Yeah. I mean, I would totally agree. Um, even just with that first little part about like, it's hard to not think about it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to not think about it all it's the just time. Just right in
1: front of your face.
0: And, you know, I made a comment to Susanna to mom the other week that it's like um, it's like my my grief six years out it's just built into me it's built into my bones mm-hmm. it's just like it's a part of the structure of who I am now mm-hmm. and it looks really differently it has continued to sh- change shapes as um, I've just continued to grieve mm-hmm. and the further I've gotten away from burying my brother mm-hmm. but it is in me Mm-hmm. It is a part of me and, um, I might not think about it all the time in the same ways that I used to, um, but it's definitely still there.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I, I mean, I guess this is more of like a, a, a physical feeling, but I can definitely relate to what you're saying. And for me, my grief isn't as, um, sharp as it once was yeah. in, in the early days, but it is deep in my belly. Yeah. Um, and And I just, it's, it's just deep in my soul. It's deep in my belly and I just, I feel it. And so you talking about how it's just built into you. Yes, it is. It is interwoven into my DNA now. Mm -hmm. So I, I totally feel that, but you know, in the early grief, kind of going back to these, um, two little paragraphs that I, I just read. I mean, I, I found it so hard to concentrate on just even the most like simple tasks, it, it felt like it took so much out of me. And it was confusing and frustrating mm-hmm. um, because, you know, like I said, something that was like simple for me to do or like even at work, like something, you know, I used to work in insurance. And so, um, you know, there'd be a, a, a very simple question or some very simple math that I would need to do to figure out premiums or a rate or whatever. And it felt like I was doing mental gymnastics, trying to get to the answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was frustrating. And and I wish I had been more gentle toward myself. I just kind of expected, um, I, I expected way too much, you know, Sure. I think Probably out of so. myself. So I think that's really
0: normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more about some of the other things that people might experience when it comes to you know, mental changes, changes in thoughts. So, um, you had mentioned like things just taking a lot more effort. Um, yes. I remember feeling quite a bit of like just confusion, just like mental confusion. Um, I also just want to say, you know, Susanna and I, this is <laughs> last call out. Here we go. Um, you know, we want to talk really tenderly and really gently and delicately about these things. Cause I don't want to, yeah, I just don't want anything that we speak about from our experience to bring up anything difficult for, for people. So mm-hmm. like, I I want to be careful about the specific examples that I give about sure. certain things here. Sure. But I mean, I just remember feeling really confused and like trying to put the pieces together logically about like, okay, but like, how did this happen? How, like there was just, there was so much of it that I yes. didn't understand. Like, and there was a lot of, there were a lot of question marks and unknowns about, you know, specifically about the accident that Leland had been through. And so there was just so much, like, I just felt so confused for so many weeks about, like, okay, yeah, but I don't understand how it happened. Yeah. Mm. Um, And then, yeah, and then apart from my grief, just feeling confused in general, like, just finding myself, kind of like you're saying, just having to do so many mental gymnastics to make things make sense that usually make perfect sense. Like, I don't know, like, getting directions or um, finding things, um, like, like misplacing things and um, just, like, basic problem solving I would do on a daily basis just became, like, confusing or too difficult or like kind of like that, um, little paragraph that you just read just didn't matter anymore. Yeah. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I, I mean, I was a college student when he passed away and I would just sit in class and be like, why should I care about any of this?
1: Mm, mm -hmm.
0: None of this matters. Hearing things from my friends, hearing their problems. And I know we've spoken about this before, but just wondering like, why would I care about this? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which sounds harsh, and that's okay because this is a place we're going to be
1: honest about how we're feeling yeah, about our grief. Yeah, that's a, that's a very real thing. And, you know, Sarah, it's it's interesting because you talking about, you know, just the, the, the question marks that you had surrounding um, Leland's accident. For me, I almost had um, not kind of like an opposite reaction, but I felt very... Um, Like I like disassociated. Mm, Tell me about that. And I, it felt for me more of an out of body experience. Like I felt like I wasn't even in my own body Mm. and I just kind of, and I don't know if this, this kind of bleeds into the emotional, um, aspect of early grief. But for me, I just kind of shut down in a sense Mm. where I had to put my blinders on. I could not I could not allow, well, not that I couldn't, I didn't want to allow my mind to wander mm. um, or to ask those questions because I was scared of what I might find out. I see exactly what you're saying. And to be honest, all of those questions, six years later, six and a half years later, still haven't been answered. Yeah. And not that I'm at peace with it, but well, I, I still just don't want to know. Right. And that's what's best for you. Yes. Is to not know. Exactly. And that's
0: the thing. Honestly, I think that's, I'm glad that you pointed out because that's a really beautiful thing that you and I have different needs in our grief. Mm-hmm. Like we're both younger sister, like from an outsider's perspective, it should look like we have had a really similar experience. Mm-hmm. And that is just one example of like we lost the same person, we lost a different relationship and we're both unique individual people. Mm-hmm. And so what I felt like I needed was I needed questions answered. And so I I found the answers to the questions that I feel like allowed my brain to have some peace. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing you say is to have asked the same questions would have really disturbed the pe- any sort of- It
1: peace. would have been more harmful than helpful. And um, it, it honestly, I was worried about it tarnishing- um, my, I just wanted to preserve my brother mm. in the way that I n- know him and knew him. And I did not want any kind of outside information to, um, tarnish, not tarnish isn't the right word, but just to, to alter, to alter that, um, to, to what my relationship was like with my brother. Sure. You know? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So,
0: and you know, like, I hope that comes as a comfort maybe to someone who's listening to this that, I mean, I used to hear people say, and I'm sure that you did too, Susanna, there's no right way to grieve. There's no right way to grieve. But I don't really like that platitude. So I'm going to say instead, you have choices. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The choices that you and I made about finding answers or not finding answers, neither one of those was the right thing to do. Mm. It was the right thing for me. It was the right thing for you. Mm -hmm. We both did what was best for us, what was best for our minds, and what was, yeah, just what we needed. And so, you know, you didn't dishonor Leland or his life or his death by not learning about exactly what took place. And similarly, you know, it's not that I want, well, here's what I want to say.
1: It's not that you didn't care. Right, right. Um, it's almost I, like I cared so much in my own way correct. that that what what's done is done. Yeah. I can't undo the accident, but for me, I can preserve how I knew my brother. Right. And for me, it's not
0: that my mind was distracted from the person that I lost and I was too focused on the details. Like, neither one of those logical fallacies could be true. And for a little while, I was hearing kind of that voice play in my head of like, You should care more about your brother than what took place. You should care more Mm -hmm. about your parents than finding these things out. Or you should, like, this kind of stuff shouldn't bother you. And I had to really let those shoulds go and say, Mm -hmm. like, no, I'm really struggling here. And, like, I can process the truth. Mm -hmm. I just need to find out some sort of a truth here. So Mm -hmm. I'm glad that we're able to talk about that. And we can acknowledge that we've, yeah, just had really different experiences
1: there. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I want to move on a little bit and say that some people experience memory loss, Um, just like just pretty normal functions of our brain, cognitive functions um, like memory can just be altered and stunned in the beginning of grief. And so if you're someone who is maybe having a hard time um, remembering things, I mean, my honestly, like my thing was I was losing things all the time. I would leave my wallet places. I would leave. Do you remember the time? When we were in Chattanooga, I was living in Chattanooga with you for the summer and I left my car keys in Nashville and dad had to drive my car keys 2 hours to oh, me. Hey, I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, it was terrible. Mm. I was I was losing things and forgetting. No, granted. This is
1: smiling. <laughs> That you already have of, a knack. You already I have a knack for losing of things. I'm
0: predisposed to losing things. But that was just like so. It was acute. It was acute. <laughs> yes. It was just like out of the ordinary things I was losing track of. Yeah. Um, but like if you're someone who's having a hard time remembering words, remembering people's names, like, you know, maybe people in your community who you've known for a while, you're just like. I'm sorry. Who are like? What's your name? Like, if you're having a hard time remembering those things, just know, your mind, your brain is working over time, just well, to try and it's keep you side or flight. Right? Yes. Yeah. You're you're in survival mode. So some of those things just kind of gotta go because your brain is just trying to keep you a little bit balanced. And so it makes sense that like, you know what? If I don't need my car keys to survive, my brain is just not gonna think about that because it's really just trying to help me like function at the very bare minimum. Yeah. Um I also had some like intensified memories. I don't know if that's something that you experienced, but
1: um like memories from like childhood or memories surrounding the trauma.
0: More memories surrounding the trauma and I wanted to I want to do want to talk about that just a little bit um when it comes to like the idea of flashbacks or um yeah, just, like, things kind of playing in your mind on repeat. Like, I just had some intense memories mm-hmm. um, for months and even, honestly, years after Leland passed away, just about the things that took place um, in making arrangements and just, um, yeah, just some, again, I don't want to, like, go into specific details and it become difficult for someone to listen to, but there were just certain things that took place in seeing the arrangements that had to be made Yeah, that became these memories that were especially... um loud
1: in my mind. That's a, that's a good way to describe it. And, um, yeah, yeah. The, the intense memories and almost, um, those are kind of, uh, intermingled with intrusive thoughts for me. Um, and I will say, and I can't remember if I, I think I've already like touched on this, but I just recently, um, back, uh, just a few months ago, um, finally went through EMDR, um, with my therapist and just to specifically address some of those intense memories, even five, six years, um, you know, down the road, uh, from, you know, when, when Leland passed away and, um, it was pivotal, um, I think for me and, um, having gone through EMDR and we can definitely get into that another day. I think we've already kind of touched on it in other episodes, but, um, it was so healing Mm -hmm. for me personally, and it was healing in a way that I did not anticipate. Um, I mean, I obviously still remember every single thing, like it's forever etched in my mind, but, um, When those memories come up, they're a little softer and they're not quite as loud. Um, The grief is still there. It's a deep ache in my bones, but... It's not as sharp. Yeah. If you're not
0: familiar with EMDR, just very briefly, uh, EMDR is a therapeutic technique specifically for trauma. It stands for eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. And it's just a way to basically, um, take memories that are especially loud, like we talked about, or especially sharp, um, and to acknowledge them and to soften them. It doesn't cause you to forget any traumatic memories. It doesn't cause you to relive them. It's not Um, hypnotism or anything It's not hypnotism. (laughs) Uh, It's just a way to basically reorganize troubling thoughts that you've had due to Mm -hmm. a trauma. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about, um, like stress disorders and, um, and how those can affect people, especially in early grief. Uh, again, like Susanna said at the top of the episode, I'm just going to say it again. Uh, I do have my master's in psychology, but I am not a, a practicing uh, counselor or therapist. Uh, so I just want to give that caveat. Uh, but I do have personal experience with these two things, and I just want to briefly touch on uh, acute stress disorder and then post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, Acute stress disorder was not something that I had ever heard about until I was diagnosed with it. Um, And so, yeah, it's just not something people really talk about. Um, So I just want to talk a little bit about the, just kind of the symptoms of those things um, and then how they're different, how they're similar. So acute stress disorder, um, symptoms, uh, again, this happens typically after a stressful or traumatic event are going to be things like, um, anxiety or flashback episodes. That's kind of like what we were just talking about, just some intensified memories. So like I have, and again, I'm not going to like say exactly what it is just at the risk of, um, I just want to be overly cautious about other people who have probably. And also to protect your
1: own things. story. Cause you don't have to share everything, you
0: know? that's very true. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me of that. Of but there was one particular thing um, that just played on repeat in my head. Like honestly, it was like, I can't even tell you how many times a day it was because it would be like for minutes at a time. It was like, it was all I was hearing in my brain. I could hear the person's voice who said it. I could hear the exact words and it just played in my mind over and over and over and over and over. It was like it was like my brain was broken. I was Mm -hmm. like, what is malfunctioning in my brain that like I literally can't stop hearing this thing repeated in my head? Um, So that's really common um, for somebody to experience, especially immediately following a stress or uh, a trauma. Other things that can happen are things like nightmares. Did you have nightmares? Honestly...
1: (laughs) What was your sleep like? You had a hard time sleeping. I had a really hard time falling asleep. Okay. There were, you know what? I do remember there being a few nightmares, but they, they would happen infrequently. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you when they happened, it was not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So probably pretty intense. Yeah. I had, um, a few nightmares. I still remember cause they were very vivid, um, about Leland's passing and it was like my mind was making this was what um actually I don't know if we've ever talked about this but this is what prompted me to find out to ask some questions about his actual accident Mm. was it was like I was going to sleep and my mind was conjuring up what it thought could have taken
1: place yeah so like different scenarios yes
0: and the imagery that my brain it really felt like my own brain was totally sabotaging me but the images and the things that my brain was coming up with were so like the, the dreams were so traumatizing which sounds so silly to say because dreams aren't real but like if you but know they can, you know but
1: they can feel
0: they can feel very real. real um that's what prompted me to find out some more information because i was like maybe this could help me not have so many bad dreams mm. but yeah difficulty sleeping is another big one falling asleep staying asleep um sleeping more than normal those types of things are are very um common Uh, Having a hard time concentrating, which I think is kind of what you said, that was definitely a difficult thing for me. I really struggled going back to school after losing Leland. Um, I missed midterm exams and had a lot to make up. And um, it was just, yeah, it was really difficult for me to stay on task. I was really distracted.
1: It's also really hard when the world just keeps spinning.
0: Right. 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 I totally agree with that. Also things like hypervigilance or I I mentioned anxiety, like being acutely aware of like what's going, what's going on around you. Um, I don't know about you. I'm not sure if we've talked about this. I did not drive. Um, Leland had passed away in an auto accident and I did not drive for a little over a month. Um, Because Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I need to explain that just because Mm -hmm. I was so hyper aware. I had so much anxiety around driving I had so much anxiety about being in a car. Um, It was just, yeah, it was just terrifying. Mm -hmm. It was really terrifying. Mm -hmm. A lot of people can also struggle with like withdrawing from people or um, avoiding anything that has to do with their, their, their traumatic event Mm -hmm. um, too. So a lot of times um, the symptoms of acute stress disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder can be really similar. Um, And basically, the difference there is going to be the time frame. So acute stress disorder, the diagnosis for that is for the onset is from zero to 28 days um, with symptoms lasting about four weeks. And then um, post-traumatic stress disorder is not diagnosed until um, after, four weeks after the event. So that's really the difference there. We really want to encourage anyone who feels like they... Um, are experiencing any of these things to, to go into, to seek help, um, professional help. It's, I know Suzanne, I won't speak for you, but for me, that has really, um, it's really been a key in my recovery and just in my, um, just in my journey with grief.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, anything else on that? No, no, I think I'm done. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing. And um, I will, wrap up this podcast um just by honestly letting our listeners know that Sarah and I have tried to record this particular episode several times. Um I I honestly have lost track at this point.
0: The first time we recorded it was right after Christmas.
1: Yeah. So we and ha- it's the end of March right now. Yeah. So we have tried several times and for whatever reason it just hasn't It just hasn't worked for, for, I mean, I don't even know why. And, you know, after talking with Sarah, I mean, and I can, I can honestly say this with confidence that like, there's a reason why, I mean, we have more to say, but we kept getting cut off about specific things that have to do with the mental aspects of grief. And like, honestly, I think that that is the good hand of the Lord, either protecting our stories, even though we are very open on this podcast, I think it could be him protecting part of our stories. And then also maybe that's the good hand of the Lord protecting, um, a listener who just needs that protection. And so we we're going to honor the fact that it has been a journey just even trying to record this podcast. And so, um, this this particular episode so we're just going to leave it at that and um hopefully this is you know validating or comforting Mm -hmm. um to whoever is listening and um we're gonna have you know one more episode in this mini series that we'll record next um about the emotional Mm -hmm. effects of early grief but as far as mental effects go I we think it. we're done. That's yeah, it.
0: just for some context, we've basically just had some really mysterious technical difficulties that we have literally never had before. Uh things that are like almost like technically unexplainable. And so we yeah, we we kept trying and trying. Um we're currently on our fourth take right now. And we just kind of got to a point to where we were like it's really clear that this is just all we need to say about it. So Anyway, with that, we just want to say thank you for listening to Grief Talk, the podcast where we talk about grief. You can find us on Instagram at Grief Talk Podcast, or you can email us at grieftalkpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. So until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye.